This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where we tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was diners. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustick. And it is episode number 56. We're really digging into the 50s here, man. Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor number. Yep. One of the most feared NFL defensive end linebackers in history. The greatest linebacker of all time. I would say he's probably the greatest linebacker of all You think so? I think it's safe Dang. to say. I think that's kind of – I think he, he revolutionized the position. He, he made did. the linebacker a sexy position. Yes, because he was so fast. Yeah. And strong. It's and a, cruel. Yeah. <laughs> and a mean person. He was very cruel, yeah. um, but I don't want to mix up cruel with crafty because he was also quite crafty in his cruelty. He was both. The, there's a very historic story about Lawrence Taylor, uh, night before a big game. Let's say it was a Super Bowl. might not have been, but it might have been. Yes. And Lawrence Taylor found out where the opposing team's players, what hotel they were sleeping in. Lawrence Taylor knew that the game is tomorrow, but the game is on all the time right. leading up to the game. Right. Head games. Head games. Yes. So Lawrence Taylor infamously hired a bunch of prostitutes. Nice. To go to that hotel and keep those guys awake all night. Tire them out a little bit. And so the, they wouldn't be as effective in the game. And the Giants won. And it worked. So there's that. that it's like not even cheating. It's just deviousness. Yes. It's ex, uh, expert level deviousness. Find your enemy's weakness and expose it. Good gosh. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor, uh, because I grew up as a Washington Redskin fan for no decent reason, but he single-handedly ended Joe Theismann's career in a, one of the more famous clips in NFL history. He, like, shattered his knee and ruined him. That's not him. hyperbole. He, he, the last play Joe Theismann <laughs> ever played ended. Ended with him uh, losing his leg to Lawrence Taylor. Basically. So there's Not that. literally losing his leg, but, I mean, it was like torn ACL, torn MCL. It was like one sack, and it's like a clip right. that they show all the time. I should have said lost his career. Lost his career. To Lawrence Taylor. Um, and ever since then, and because that was like, I was literally, I mean, that was like at our beginning stages of memory. That was probably like 1980, literally 84 or 85, like right. just after we were born. Right. And as a result of that, and because I was a Redskin fan, he Lawrence Taylor was such a menacing presence oh, in yeah. my mind. Oh, yeah. And 50 56, the number 56 instantly had all these menacing – I made all these menacing yep. and scary associations with them because big bad number 56 like r literally ripped my quarterback in half. Yep. <laughs> I mean 56, 23, Me. some of these numbers are iconic for a reason now. Y yes. And now it's like when younger generations of players wear 23, yeah. it's like you can't wear that independently. You can't pretend like you don't know Mike did it make that number hot? 23. If you're a linebacker and you're rocking 56, you can't pretend like LT didn't make that number hot. Have the Giants retired that number? They must have. They must have, right? Yeah, because think, no one wears 56. Yeah, no. That's a that's a that's got to be a guaranteed retired number. Yes. And then the next retired number will probably be number 10. Number 10 for Eli. Yeah. Hell yeah. He's Tiki about. Barber, 21, gets retired? Bye. See ya. We hate Tiki. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are a non-Tiki family. Tiki Barber's such a clown. He left the Giants. He retired early yes. to uh, do on-camera work and whatever. Do yes. that if you want. Yes. As soon as he retired. Started trashing the Giants. Trashing the Giants. Trashing Eli Manning. And what did the Giants do that season? One. 
They won the Super Bowl. Yeah. They won the Super Bowl. Yeah, he exactly. retired. He's such a clown. And oh, now I, I see him how fresh these feelings are, Bill. Now it's like Kathy Lee and Tiki <laughs> or whatever the show is. Bye. Yeah, exactly. You're not a giant. Your number's not getting retired. A really quick other. Strahan, 92. That gets retired? That gets retired. Okay, that gets retired. That gets retired. Yep, yep, yep. He's a loyalist. And Strahan was like um, Bizarro Award Lawrence Taylor, another ridiculously talented defensive end yep. who was like the nicest guy in the world. He also hosts with Kathy <laughs> yeah, Lee. Exactly. I don't know how that happened, but he. <laughs> He also somehow got a pass, and he also works with Kathy Lee. How did that go down? I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, Strahan was a big bad man. I think he holds the sack record for a year. Yeah, yeah. So. The Giants have some some badass defensive players in their history. Yes. Um, today we are not talking about badass defensive players in New York Giants history. Yes, but I have a great segue. Oh, please. So Lawrence Taylor's uh, nickname was LT. What does the diner? What is a diner most known for selling at him? The B L. Tea. Today, we're talking about diners. Segway! <laughs> okay. One of the things you think we're passionate about Lawrence Taylor, well, strap in, we are passionate about diners. Yes. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, we've mentioned it before, we don't usually know the topic that we're going to speak about until seconds before the show. Literal seconds. We were probably 10 minutes into a well of no ideas for what we were going to talk about yep. today. And then one of us said loudly... What about diners? And within seconds, we hit record and here we are. Headphones are on. Uh, diners play an intro. I mean, look, as native New Yorkers, first of all, I guess we should just say, as native Northeastern boys, yeah. uh, diners are deeply embedded into, in my opinion, like da- almost daily life. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And I know that may sound hyperbolic, um, but in upstate New York, where I'm from, there are diners everywhere, obviously. It's like a suburban landscape, and diners dot the highways forever. They, just like the bodega, they provide a sense of calm and, like, uh, they provide a sense of no matter what's wrong in the world or if, like, there's a huge snowstorm, the diner will always be open. Truly. The diner is always the port in the storm. Most good diners are 24 hours. Their menus are 500 pages long. And you could sit there forever drinking the same coffee and everything's cool. They're almost – I mean I'm not – I don't understand this in a pejorative way. It's like not homeless shelters, but they're shelters. Yes. They're just shelter. They're, they're sh- it's shelter. It's shelter for it's the food, ho- people, those with homes. It's, this, yeah. is, this is a home shelter. Homeful shelters. Yes. It, it provides food and water and shelter. Yes. It's like everything that you possibly need in life to survive a diner will provide. Yes. And you uh, come from Long Island. Yes. And I would say Long Island might be the epicenter of the prototypical American diner, Americana diner. And when you grow up there, you think that, well, this is going to be everywhere forever. Yes. There will always be a cheeseburger deluxe on the next corner. Yes. And there was in Long Island. Yes. I'm from a town called Rockville Center. Yes. And I can think of one, two, three, four real corner diners. Yeah. If you're like a, if you are a diner in Long Island, you need space. Yeah. You're not in a strip mall. Yes. You need your own parking lot. It's a lot. freestanding building. Freestanding building with a bunch of like awkward chrome and <laughs> just like it's really just trying to be seen in this sea of other stores. <laughs> yes. The diner. I can think of three or four majors and then a couple strip mall diners, which are they, – they don't have the real estate as the big diners. So what they have to do is get extra strong bacon fans. Nice. You know the bacon fan? That, that that wafts the bacon aroma? Just that fan that pumps out from the kitchen onto the street the bacon that they're cooking. Is that a real thing or are you, are you teasing? Uh, in terms of the name bacon fan? The fan. That there's a thing that pumps bacon smell out? Oh, sure. Oh, baby. But here's the it's like uh, It's like how your air conditioner works. Got it. Your air conditioner needs to have – it blow, It takes in the air and it keeps circulating yes. it in and out, in and out. Yes. So that air has to go somewhere from the kitchen. Yes. So the kitchen is full of bacon. Full of bacon. And now it's on the street. And now it's on the street. Coming yeah. to our diner. Um, so, yeah, my town uh, – 
probably had seven diners. Seven. Yep. Yeah. And you would frequent – did you have a pecking order in yes. your experience? Of course. Well, OK. So there was the – kind of like if you're going to go with your family, you would go to uh, this one diner. And it was kind of like – we should mention that every waiter and waitress at a diner is 115 years old. <laughs> They're all like Greek, and at least in Long if you're Island. Lucky. If, if you're, you're lucky. Oh, yeah. I mean, the good ones. Career waiters. This is nothing pejorative about what I'm talking about. These aren't waiters who are on the way to an acting career. These are people who trained in the food arts. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Or, they like, or they're like all the brothers and sisters of the owner. It's a family affair. Right. Exactly. But they're all very old. That would be a, a, there was, so there was a slightly respectable one. But the diner, for me, at least growing up, and this is the first act of the No Joke podcast we're talking about diners. Yes. The diner that I would remember is the Golden Reef Diner. Ooh, Why would I name. remember the Golden Reef Diner? Reef. Yeah, the first one was the Pantry Diner. <laughs> this was the Golden This was the Golden Reef. The Golden Reef was 24 hours, but it was also um, kind of in the heart of town so that you could be hung over there. Yeah. You could be drunk yeah. there. You would get into a fight in the parking lot sure, there. Sure, sure. It was just... In proximity to some bars. It was, pro- like, it was like in proximity to our houses, to the bars, yes. to like every Thing. This was just the if you were hungry, you you were gonna go to the Golden Reef Diner. Yes, I remember back in the day. In fact, and this is probably what second, third grade for us. Um, you could smoke cigarettes. Wow, in, in the, diner. the diner. Oh my god, you could smoke cigarettes in the diner. Isn't that it? Really feels like it's from a bygone era because it literally is from a bygone era. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, did you have six or seven diners in your town? Well, yeah. Again, I mean, my town, unlike your town, was very, very small. With I mean, and my teeny little town of Voorheesville, we had the Voorheesville Diner. Okay. Which is like literally the one of two eateries in the entirety of the village. There you go. And it was right by the train tracks, of course, <laughs> which was right by the streetlight. Your town is littered with the one. The one thing. The one thing. Exactly. God so bless. this was the one diner and the um the billboard or what am I trying to say? The whatever, the the sign for the diner, the mat the mascot or whatever, inexplicably was a whale. Why? Exactly. Did they serve whale? Nope. You're an inland town. Way inland. Nowhere near the ocean, not serving whale. Seafood wasn't really on the menu. Life-sized? Like the blue whale in the Museum of Natural History? In my – oh, yeah, right. In my memory, the, the, the whale in the Natural History Museum is physically bigger than my town. <laughs> that whale is bigger than the entirety of my town. This was – if my memory serves, it was just like a simple blue outline of a whale, but it always just – Never asked? Never asked, always wondered. Yeah? Never asked, always wondered. So it was very, very small. Name of this diner again? The Voorheesville Diner. Jeez. Just make a, some sort of creative choice. Pantry, anything. The Voorheesville Diner? The one. Not going to miss it. That presumes to me that every single store in this town would be like the Voorheesville like, Bookstore, the Voorheesville. It's as if like you're like, well like army rations <laughs> where it's just like condensed milk, <laughs> peas. Like everything is what it is. Exactly. Right. No fancy doctored up labeling. Right. It's just, what is it? Just call it that. Right. The Voorheesville Stoplight. But regardless of name, the best part about the diner is that you know what the food tastes you like. Exactly. Every diner, you know what the food tastes like. No surprises. So since this is the first act, let's treat it like breakfast. Great. Adam, we're at the No Joke mm. Diner right now. Mm. We just walked in. It's 8.30 in the morning. We're I, ready for breakfast. I love it here. We're hungry. It's cozy. Yes. What are you ordering? Uh, well, can I have some context clues first? Yes. Just some questions. Uh, is there music playing or radio? Uh, no, it's mostly everyone's still setting up. You're hearing the clinks of the silverware. Okay. You're hearing the pouring of the coffee. See, that's a side note. I just want to quickly interject here and say that that is actually truly one of my favorite things about diners is the auditory experience of a diner. The sounds, yep. literally the silverware clanging against each other on those ceramic plates against the wooden or like formica whatever tables, like the literal 
A-U-R-A-L, oral experience of a diner is, I find it hunger stimulating. Yeah. I find it soul soothing. Very romantic. It's romantic. (laughs) It's romantic to me. And I will take a diner atmosphere with or without radio, with or without background music. I'm not mad. That's not a deal breaker for me. If you have like the jams 97.1 playing in the background, maybe not ideal. It just shatters the illusion a little bit. Shatters the illusion. Whereas your father in the gym hates the sounds (laughs) of the gym. That's right. Listen to the fitness episode if you're curious about that. You love the sounds of the diner. I do love the sounds of a diner. So you're at the No Joke Diner, and it's breakfast time. It's breakfast you get time. your 50-page menu. Yes. And um, I'll be your waiter. Okay, thank you. As an example. Okay. Welcome to the No Joke Diner. Thank you so much. It's, it's breakfast so... time. Okay. What do you want to eat? <laughs> First of all, I love how direct you are here at the No Joke Diner. You're welcome. We're out of time uh, crunch. We're three minutes away from the act break. I might just want a minute to leaf through this uh, this tome that oh. is the menu. Do you have any questions? Maybe I can speed up the process. Uh, is it d- d- divided into any specific chapters, this tome? Yes. Or is uh, eggs on the first page. All the other food follows. You probably want eggs. What do you want for breakfast? Okay, great. So uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the eggs Florentine. Florentine. Yeah, that's spinach and holiday sauce. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> really fancy. We got a real fancy pants walking into the gym. If I'm feeling fancy, I will do that. If I'm feeling unfancy, I will just have your classic breakfast. Two eggs over easy, hash browns, sausage, rye toast, rye. sourdough if I'm in California. Jeez Louise, I'm writing this down so fast. <laughs> no okay. Why sourdough in California? Is that I a just California feel like it's a regional treat? Okay. I don't know. I feel like sourdough is like a like a California drink. Rye in New York. Okay, got it. Sourdough in California. Okay. Definitely. But mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm at the No Joke Diner in New York, uh, I'm going to have rye toast, please. Okay. And I expect that that will come with tiny little butter packets and jam. Yes. Those are on the table. You can see them over there. They're oh, there they the are. Ketchup oh, God, and I salt. Missed I missed it. Yeah. Uh, and I will have an orange juice and a glass of water and a coffee. Does it Standard. Do you, do you mind that our orange juice is concentrated? I don't mind whatsoever. Really? I would prefer fresh squeeze. I shouldn't say that. I, for whatever reason, um, I would say that from concentrate would be my expected. That's what I would expect. Isn't that the worst? And fresh squeeze would then exceed my – that would be a special treat. Okay. But I would expect the concentrate. Your order is coming up. Great. Um, here's one complaint that I have to diners. Okay. And I love diners. Yes. When you order the orange juice, yes. you see three fifty, four fifty, Yeah. And it's like, wow. Like you really are like putting a lot – you're saying that this is going to be some rock-solid orange of juice. value. Yeah. Coffee is always like a buck twenty-five. True, but orange juice always feels like a special treat <laughs> for some reason, much. especially at the diner. It's True. like so much more. True, and then you get it, and they put it in a kitty water cup. Yeah, I'm gonna need a sixteen-ounce pint glass for this OJ right that now. That is a legitimate. That is a legitimate diner complaint. Yeah, the orange juice glasses and the serving size of the orange juice can be more robust. We're adults. You want to get your diner up. You have to get your orange juice glasses up to a sixteen-ounce pint. Agreed. And this goes without saying. Get your free refills. Oh, please. If you're charging me for two Cokes. Uh, Outrageous. That is against the spirit of a diner. Yes. And look, back to the orange juice portion size. We uh, Look, we get that a juice glass is a thing and that a a capital J-G juice glass is small and is diminutive and is supposed to be like a shot of juice. Charge me buck 25 then. Give me a break. Give me the price point for the size of the cup. Okay. And that is a a serious complaint. And we we mean business. Yeah. (laughs) Here at the No Joke Diner, we mean business. Let the the ounces, the fluid ounces of orange juice reflect the price, please. At the No Joke Diner, this is what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to ask you to cock your head back, much like a, a drunk teenage girl at a bar okay. who's going to have a bottle poured into her mouth. Very good. And we're just going to squeeze the oranges right <laughs> into your face. I'll take it. Keep your glasses on. It might become a mess. How much does that cost? That cost $3. <laughs> Three bucks. You actually save $1.25 and it's not concentrated. I'll take it. And you have orange juice all over your face probably. For the rest of the day. I'll take it, man. Uh, that's the first act break. Adam, we have discussed what song we might want to play. Yes. Mr. Buffett? Well, Jimmy Buffett has that wonderful song, Cheeseburger in Paradise. The and- song is basically him just talking about parts of the burger. Uh, is, is that what it is? I, I believe think so. so. He's, I'm talking about like add a lettuce and a pickle. We can only hope so. Okay. Uh, cheeseburger in Paradise, a.k.a. a 
diner. Okay. Paradise. All right. So this is Jimmy Buffett's Cheeseburger on Paradise. We'll be back with more No Joke right after this. Was cheeseburger in paradise? Yeah, by Jimmy, by Jimmy Buffett. That song's trash. <laughs> Billy shook his head at the end. It just said, ah, "That song is garbage." That song is trash, man. <laughs> Why don't you like Jimmy Buffett? Uh, <laughs> the whole thing is just like, yeah, I get. It's like vanilla Coke. It's like, do you yeah. remember vanilla Coke? Yes. Especially diner vanilla Coke. Yes. Right? It wasn't like the package vanilla Coke. It was like they literally took a squirt of vanilla, vanilla syrup, syrup and put it in your Coke. Yes. I would order it at diners and I would have a sip of it and I'd be like, that's plenty. <laughs> like that was like literally the whole experience that I wanted was right there. Jimmy Buffett has made his whole career out of being vanilla Coke. It's enough. Yeah. That's enough. I got a little taste and that is plenty. Plenty. And like, I don't know, just... I guess I'm trying to actually figure out why I don't like cheeseburger in paradise because it's cheesy as hell. Yeah, that it like yeah. But we can usually find the bright side of life and say, True. "Oh, that's a novelty thing." True. There's just something about that because I think 
I think he thinks it's authentic and cool. Maybe so. I'm not sure that he knows that it's novel. That it's like a little silly and novel. I mean, he has I don't know. Been... You're talking to the man who inv- who like launched Margaritaville right. res- restaurant right. chain. I think that he has some sort of tongue-in-cheek awareness about how silly people think his music is. Right. But, however, the people that I know who are Jimmy Buffett fans, the fans do not think it's silly. Right. And they love Jimmy Buffett. Come at me. Come at me. Come at me, Buffett Come fans. at me. If any of you Buffett heads out there uh, want to defend Jimmy Buffett's musical oeuvre, you let us know because um, we are – the jury's still out over at here. At No Joke Pod on Twitter, yeah. let us know why Buffett is the man. Exactly. Uh, Billy will flame you back. We'll flame you right back. Right. And now, the cheeseburger in Paradise, uh, that uh, makes me think of the diner experience here in Paradise-ish, Southern California. Okay. Because when we were living in New York City, obviously – well, I mean this goes without saying New York City is the diner capital of the universe. Mm-hmm. I mean if you think Long Island, it has a high concentration of diners New York City is ridiculous the diner is just the restaurant it's like it's an it's the concept of a restaurant when we lived in New York and we'd be like let's go get some food it was understood that the default choice would be diner usually like American fare yeah but there would still be like lamb chops and all these Greek foods and like there's literally they sell every food yes yes and a special a particular shout out I think is warranted for the specifically the Greek diner yes because I feel like in New York City in New York at least and this is something that I think I've I've learned since coming to LA where there are – I don't know for whatever reason. I feel like the Greek population is is less here or maybe not as prominent Same here in L.A. Same with the Italians. Yeah. They got to Chicago and they were like, this is fine. This is good. We don't need to go any further. We could stop here. They're all in Chicago That's and New a York. a really funny point. Yes. Um, and it feels that way a little bit. Yeah. And the Greeks were the huge, huge diner proponents. In New York, it's like the Greek diner, again, is the default diner. Yes. Um, so uh, – and, and they were big with the 50-page menus. Yes. And like you were getting a cheeseburger in paradise if you wanted you were getting the the omelet you could get the eggs benedict but you could also get like you said like a lamb chop a chicken pot pie yes. or like a souvlaki here's my problem with buffett yes here's i'm, oh, I'm not done with buffett good good yet. good or at least buffett fans circle back to buffett fans not saying it's a problem no i've often felt this way about going to see a will smith concert okay where <laughs> will smith's catalog is so bizarre yeah because like for the most part he just like he put out one album when he was like a younger rapper yes and then he just started making singles that were like a part of a movie he was in. Yeah. But to me, I always thought it would be like a Weird Al concert if you saw a Will Smith concert. Yes. Because if you went from Wild Wild West, you need to have like a cowboy-themed stage. Yes. And then you go to like just the two of us with him and his son, and now it's like a slowed down and stage. And it's men in black, and, and you have aliens. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, as the audience member, I just feel like there would, it would require a lot of people. Yeah. Now, if I'm an audience member at a Jimmy Buffett concert... Yep. I just don't see myself, Billy Scafuri, excitedly singing the words to, I like mine with lettuce and tomato. <laughs> like, that just doesn't equate to me at all. I'm not hyped. I don't feel those words. Yeah. I love burgers. You won't find a bigger burger guy than Bill. In life, not but, in art. But I'm not singing about it, and I'm not making people have to sing and dance and pay for my song about it. That's right. I just think Buffett maybe took something that we all liked yes. and just made it the celebration that I, Billy, don't need him. Kitch. You don't respond to that particular kind of kitsch. Yeah. I guess um, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And uh, because it's funny, but it's just like you say that he is uh, singing about cheeseburger, cheeseburgers and lettuce and tomato. You don't really respond to that. Our catalog, our personal music catalog is riddled with songs about food. Yeah. Uh, chicken, so, mostly. Chicken, mostly. Yeah. Mostly chicken. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that we're against singing about food in principle. It's the degree, It's the tone of Jimmy Buffett's kitsch that just kind of rubs us the wrong way. Just not a Buffett guy. Not a big Buffett guy. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. 
And that's okay. That's totally okay. And that's okay. That's fine. Um, it is the second act of the No Joke podcast. Yes. Uh, we are still at the No Joke Diner. Yes. We have cleared our plates. Yes. Breakfast was delicious. Breakfast Thank you very much. Served. Um, Adam, it's a good time for us to maybe remind ourselves of a project we never did. Okay. Back in the day. Yes. You and I, when uh, we were trying to figure out – Harvard Stanley team was going strong and we yes. were trying to figure out what our two-man thing is going to feel yes. like and yes. what it's going to be. Yep. We entertained making videos back then as well. Yep. And we had flirted for a while with making a documentary or some sort of rolling camera video yes. 24 hours in a diner yes. where we would have to eat everything on the menu yes. in 24 hours. Yes, and not go to sleep. Yes. Stay awake the entire time, 24 full conscious waking hours eating nonstop. And it would just be a short film watching our uh, bodies and moods and temperaments just uh, degenerate. change. Yes. Now, in New York... Diners make so much money and they're so busy and active yes. that it felt like a huge ask to try and find a booth that could also give us the sound and everything that we need exactly. to pull it off. And furthermore, part of the note baked into the concept was because in New York City diners were so ubiquitous and well populated that the show would be as much about – that the 24-hour experience would be as much about the rotating door – the revolving door of who else was in this diner at the time. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. We, it was just we knew we wanted to lock ourselves in a diner 24 for 24 hours, hours yes. and eat the menu. <laughs> That seems that seemed like a little hard to pull off yeah. as twenty two year olds with just kind of like a glimmer in our eye of yeah. what we want to do. Yes, this seems like we may be able to pull it now off. It now it feels a little more within our grasp. I think so. To do that, it's like diners don't seem as in demand as they do in New York. Yeah. I just feel like we might be able to pull this off. I think you're probably right. Now, what we need to figure out is the concept. Yeah, what it is. Twenty four hours. Yeah. in a diner. Yes, no sleep allowed. Yes, have to eat now. Now, with the stipulations that we said that we have to eat everything we have to at least sample every single thing on the entire menu yes yeah, this that is what sense. this is what i think that you and i and maybe the listeners of no joke could continue to work on in the new year yeah is trying to figure out the parameters of this challenge 24-hour diner challenge because people love watching things where there's twists yeah where they think they know the rules of something and then in the sixth hour this changes or yes. that happens yes so let's continue to noodle on yes this 24-hour documentary that we want to make yes you and i in a diner yes and figure out what we we want it to be. Could be a fun interactive element where the listeners tell us what to eat. Exactly. Maybe it's a Facebook Live Could thing. Could be a Facebook Live type situation where you guys dictate our eating habits over the course of the 24 hours. So this is uh, this is going to be a new project coming <laughs> yeah. up. If you guys have things you want to tell us, if you think that you have ways of making this fun, maybe you have some production that you want to lend a hand to. Please. No joke pod at Twitter. Yes. No joke pod at gmail.com. Yes, I do want to shout out a very specific diner here in Los Angeles. That's one of my favorites. That's actually quite close to the Headgum Studios. Go. There's a place called the Nickel Diner. Don't know if you've been. No. But it's right around a corner or two, and that is a mwah diner. If it's a diner, it's a mwah diner. Exactly. That's how it works. It's one of those diners. Um, it's, it's now lunch. It's lunchtime. It's now lunch. We got there. And it's the No Joke Pod. Yes. And I also just want to say really quick that in between breakfast and lunch here at the No Joke Diner, because the No Joke Diner is so hospitable and the, and the atmosphere here is so nice, I just kind of lounged here and read the paper all day. And we filled your water. And I so appreciate that. We know that you paid your bill and we know that it would be better if we turned this table to get a new guest in. You're chilling at the no Customer joke diner. Customer loyalty, and that means a lot to me. And they even, and this is just between you and us listeners, they even came by and gave me a complimentary squeeze of orange juice to the face. Right. And I really appreciate right that. Right in his eyes. We're, not, we're never going to tell you to get up from your table, but we will <laughs> squeeze citrus in your eyeballs. And hope you get the hint. I did not take the hint, and I'm still here. And he's still here. <laughs> and so this is why I'm asking him, my only patron here at the No Joke Diner, what would you like for lunch? We have some sandwiches. Okay, great. What kind of sandwiches do you guys have? Rubens. Yeah. Just Rubens? 
We have Rubens mostly. Yeah. Is there something else? What about patty melts? Can I interest you in a patty melt? Mike, my, my my personal go to diner lunch order is the patty melts. Let's talk that's about that's my go to. Let's talk about the patty melts let's, for please. a second. The patty melt is a burger on bread. That's a patty. That's a, that's a burger patty, beef patty. Reg, same size as the burger. Cheeseburger. Okay. Same size. Same exact size. Discus shaped, not uh, abnormally shaped. Okay. Grilled onions. Okay. Uh, I guess melted cheese, melt of cheese, of course. I want to say Swiss. I think it's Swiss cheese. Your choice here at the No Joke Diner. I'll take Swiss. Okay. And it's on grilled rye bread. That's okay. the whole thing. It's like grilled rye. Now, when you say grilled rye, is that grilled, like, is that like just toasted or is that like buttery It's grilled? like buttery grilled. Right. Buttery grilled You put butter in bread. the pan, drop it, and then toast it in the pan. Bingo. Okay. And that is the bun, essentially. It's so, a cheeseburger with, a, with an alt bun. That's literally what it is. It's yeah. just a cheeseburger on bread. Alt bun. What makes that uh, more, what makes that better, different? Man, what makes that anything different than a burger? I mean, it's uh, it is the buttery grilled rye. I mean, that is the the, the one difference is the profound difference. Okay. I mean, there's something about. I mean, t- to me, uh, a, fa- a a cheeseburger bun can run the risk of being a little too fluffy and dominating the burger experience. Sometimes Definitely. the bun can dominate the burger. The bread makes the sandwich. People, get, you got to wake up, folks. Our friend Chris Smith, in one of his most wisest prescient insights, told us that the key to the bacon, egg, and cheese was the roll. Hmm. That was a real mind blower to me. Okay. He was like, the key is the roll because the bacon, egg, and cheese is going to be fairly uh, consistent across diners and yeah. across delis, but the roll is the variable. Yep. So similarly – I would say that's true. So similarly, the quality of the bread. So similarly, the patty melt, it is literally all about the bread. Can I uh, boost that melt Please. To, to the next level? Melt boost me. This is – if I could – if I had to make – if I had to say uh, each one of my friends, what is the food equivalent? Yeah. I'm about to say your food equivalent. Please. The tuna melt. Oh, yeah. I love a good tuna melt. And you're saying that because you just know that I like tuna melts or – I know that you love tuna melts. I do. I love them. And it's just kind of a gut, what do you see, who are they? Yeah. You're a tuna melt. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I am a big fan of, uh, of fish. I mean, as you know from the many Russian-themed uh, dinner affairs that we've had, mm-hmm. I love weird, sour, shtetl ghetto fish. Get your gefilte. I love my gefilte, so I do love a good fish. So a The tuna non-refrigerated melt. fish, correct? <laughs> yeah, that's gefilte fish, yes. Okay. You can find that in the, uh, the uh, granola bar aisle. The hell aisle. The hell aisle. Are you looking for hell items? Oh. Uh, the fish is right down that aisle. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, my go-tos are tuna melt and patty melt for lunch. Okay. Um, Do you want both? Maybe I'll try both. Okay. I might try both. I'm gonna, I'm gonna You're going to get for... two oranges in the eyes. <laughs> you can have both, but you will get two oranges in the eyes. That's why I come here. Okay. <laughs> so, I think I might do uh, – with the patty melt, I'll take a side of fries. Okay. Uh, thick cut – if there's an option between like sort of like skinny-ish fries and like thick cut like uh, steak fries, I'll yeah. take the steak fries. Yes. Obvious. I mean, yeah. obviously. Those are more fun. More fun. Um, <laughs> do you get psyched by uh, coleslaw? Yeah. Diner, diner coleslaw? Only vinegary – not mayo-based coleslaw, vinegary coleslaw, yes. Were you taught to like coleslaw or is that something that you uh, found out on your own? Total acquired taste. Really? Neither of my parents really mess with the coleslaw too much, I don't think. Same. That's why I have no relationship to it and when I get it, I never even consider eating, eating it. it. It's like a garnish. It might... and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a garnish. Um, Not even the vinegary stuff though because the mayo freaks me out. The mayo, like dairy, creamy coleslaw, I find repulsive. Yeah. But like the acidic vinegary coleslaw i think is pretty pretty great that i probably again when i see the coleslaw i don't touch it so i have no it. i have no basis for what i like and don't like but i will say the older i've gotten the more i like vinegar 
You like vinegar. Vinegar just needs like a wake up. It's yeah. like suddenly I realize that it's like in my favorite pickles, yeah. it's in my favorite potato chips. Yeah. One of my secret if it's a particularly robust diner menu, um, I'll do fish and chips. Wow. I, I I've been known to go to a diner and get a fish and chips and that is heavy on the vinegar. Just douse it in mm-hmm. vinegar and tartar sauce, whatever. Yep. Uh but I I mean I'll make unconventional diner choices. All right. What what, what is your Billy I know that we're here in the out of the context of the no joke diner, what is your Billy's go to lunch diner choice? The Reuben with corned beef. And if they offer the half corned beef, half pastrami, obviously that's where we're at. That, that's what you – that's your – Yeah, the half and half. The Arnold Palmer of Rubens. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Um, half pastrami, half corned beef. Yeah. With the side of – With whatever there. I, I, I assume that it's fries. Of course. And a giant Coke. Giant Coke. Yeah. You are a big proponent of the Coca-Cola classic. There's something about the classic. I know that when you get older, you need to become like a better person, mm. a healthier person. Don't lose sight of what made you a happy child. I want to say that it was at Burning Man, but there's been a few instances yes. in our life together where I didn't even know that you had brought Coca-Cola classics. Yeah. And then you would just like bust out like a perfectly glistening, yes. sweaty can of Coca-Cola Thank classic. You. And every single pleasure sensor in all of our brains would shoot off at once. You got to understand, it's a drug too. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not the type of guy who like is like a soda maniac right. where it's like you get into my car and there's like two empty cans like rolling around the back seat and like no. one on the dash. No. <laughs> like I don't like, I don't have a two liter of soda in my fridge right now, nor do I almost, I never have. But there is a time and place where a can of Coca-Cola is going to take you to the next level, it dog. It works. Have a slice of pizza without a Coke and you're, you're thinking the whole time. A, a sip of Coke would make this experience the best. I mean, whatever. It's just like the Coca-Cola branding never worked on me, but the Billy branding of Coca-Cola has yes. worked every time. It's a new year. It's a new you. And we have a new sponsor. Enter Squarespace. Look, we're all online. We all want to have a good flashy website. And let's face it, almost none of us know how to actually make a website. So... We need companies that make it easy to make a website, and that's what Squarespace does. I've used Squarespace for my websites for years, and not only does it feel easy to do and makes me feel smarter at computers than I actually am, it looks good. Your pictures look high quality if they are high quality photos. If you want to make a reel, a portfolio, Squarespace is the company to help you do it. And at this time, we are partnering with them. So if you go to squarespace.com and enter the promo code, no joke, again, the offer code is no joke, you get 10% off of your first website. So shout out Squarespace for shouting us out and becoming one of our first sponsors of the podcast. And let us know if you do make a website, because we want to see it and then shout it out on the pod as well. Back to no joke. Do you think, do you see Coca-Cola as a bad company? Yes. Uh, (laughs) but the polar bears i know but the polar bears uh i do see it as a bad company because are all companies bad Uh, are all companies of their size bad i'm inclined to think so i'm inclined to think it's hard to uh really rise the ranks of capitalism without crushing a few skulls Uh, but i do think that coca-cola uh the thing that i think is bad about them is that they're really big on pushing their product into schools and like Uh, vending machines in schools sugar in schools what's her name someone was it katie couric i forgot who made the big documentary all about how the coca-cola corporation specifically and pepsi and all of them 
Um, and of course, they know how unhealthy their products obviously. are. And a lot of people equate the uh, sugar lobbyists with the tobacco lobbyists. Oh, they're um, the sugar's even more evil, aren't they? I mean, well, and that's what I'm saying. So Coca-Cola is I, I lump that in with the sugar industry because to me they're like cousins and they're kind of sisters and they work hand in hand. You, I think, were the one who told me that uh, the sugar lobby or uh, in, in nutrition facts, the one thing that doesn't have a daily value is sugar. So you don't know how much you're taking. Everything, or you shouldn't. Know, you don't know how much you should be exactly. having or whatever. Exactly. And that is a very that costs the sugar lobbyists like millions and billions of dollars yes. to make sure that that is the one thing on the nutritional that's value chart from the consumer that does not have a daily value. Exactly. That's that that's like one of those subtle evil things. Exactly. So like for reasons just like that, right. I am inclined to distrust Coca-Cola, not to mention the fact that they also and again you know, go on Wikipedia, like, see how much of this is, is like, true. But I'm also fairly certain that Santa Claus, yes, as we know him, yes, red suit, white trim, big white beard, that image of Santa Claus, Billy, don't mean to blow your mind, was literally invented by the Coca-Cola Corporation. I wish that I had a challenge button. I would hit it. You don't believe it. I know. I want to say Adam Conover maybe even tackled this and Adam ruins everything. If not, It sounds like the exact thing he would tackle. Yeah. Uh, but I am inclined to believe and listeners, please either back me up or refute this claim that okay. Santa Claus, as we know him, the image of Santa Claus that we all is accepted in society, yeah. was quite literally a Coca-Cola marketing campaign. Well, now I'm considering starting my own television show called Billy Ruins, Adam Ruins Everything. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Get to the bottom of his getting to the bottom of I want to believe that Nick and Debbie Claus had those clothes way before Coca-Cola was <laughs> yeah. pumping out their sugary water Maybe. into the schools. Maybe so. I don't know. Maybe so. He. Uh, the problem is that Adam Ruins Everything has facts on his Yeah, side, he's got like facts. And he I does do the a, research. a beating heart and uh, <laughs> a little momentum. Yeah, and a penchant for Coca-Cola. <laughs> right, yeah. and a deep love for Coke. I will say, though, uh, this is Act 3 of the No Joke Podcast. Today we're talking about diners uh, and about by association, Coca-Cola. Yes. The first full can of soda that I ever finished, and I don't know why I remember this so indelibly. Okay. I was like nine years old, and it was like a big deal for me to like be able to finish an entire 12-ounce can of soda on I hear my that, own. For sure. The first can of soda that I ever finished was, in fact, a Diet Coke. Mm. A Diet Coke at one of my mom's friend's barbecues. Okay. So that was an indelible moment for me. Diet Coke always felt like uh, Coke with Novocaine. Yeah, exactly. Where it was just like, you're missing the thing. Like, is my mouth numb? The magic. Magic's gone. Right. And by magic, we mean sugar. Right. The sugar's gone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We're here for that one thing. The sugar. Right. We don't love the cola taste right. as much as we love the sugar It's rush. like going to Hamilton and finding out that Lin-Manuel is like understudy is performing that exactly. night. You're like, but the whole thing is him. Is I'm here to see though. that guy. Exactly. He's the sugar. Uh, tangential thought about that. I read recently that whenever there was like a mega super like A-list celebrity that would come to Hamilton, the Obamas or like Biden or anybody like that, Lin-Manuel will deliberately put the understudy on so that he could watch Obama watch the show. Stop. And so every time, and like the Obamas went a bunch. Yeah. And it's like people like that went a bunch. Yeah, yeah. And whenever someone like that, that he was like geeking out over, perf uh, attended the show, he would deliberately put the understudy on so we could watch his person watch the show. I Isn't would, that weird? It <laughs> is weird because yeah. I would think that just put a camera on the guy. Yeah. Just put a camera on the Obamas. Or something. Because what you're also watching is the Obamas see the curtain come up and then say, 
Oh. Yeah, I know. But it's also like very much like in the spirit of Le Manuel, but like it's ensemble. We all do oh, it. Of Everyone, course. Of, course, of course, obviously, obviously. Right. But uh, no, there is something really fun about like the writer getting to watch like the play unfold and watch everyone's reactions because he's not in the play. That's exactly right. Yeah, there's something really warm about that. Exactly. Um, some of the finest plays and some of the coolest plays I've ever seen uh, have taken place in a diner. Oh yeah! Uh, there's really? a wonderful Tracy Letts play called Superior Donuts, which I actually think is going to be a show on CBS starring our friend Jermaine Fowler, hilarious comedian. Oh, that's funny. And it's a Tracy Letts uh, – it's an adaptation of his play called Superior Donuts, whole thing in a diner. Tracy Letts uh, wrote – August Osage County? Yes. Uh, the play called Bug. Right. Uh, and this play, Superior Donuts. And, and bunch- he just acted in – He just acted in a bunch of stuff. Homeland? Is he in Homeland? He very well might be. Okay. He's an amazing actor. He right. was in this movie called Christine that we saw this year that was incredible. Okay. He's like one of the greats. Yeah. He's one of the greats. Theater has those guys. Doesn't it? Where it's just like, I can do it all. And I could do it all super, so well. super well. I know. Tracy Lemuel Letts. Miranda, uh, Tracy Letts. I mean, like some people just have like literally the gift of theater. You can do everything. Yeah. You can do literally everything. And like people in our field can do comedy, can write, right. can edit a little bit, yes. can direct a little bit. Right. But like the, not, the, not like masters. I know. Not like you can do everything masterfully. I know. Shout out Tracy Letts. It's pretty inspiring to see people like that. Yeah. Um, one of the great parts about going to the theater in New York, and uh, this isn't a force segue, this is true, is going to the diner right afterwards. Oh, totally. <laughs> that is ba- part and parcel of the theater going experience in New York. And uh, all restaurants, that's what I love about restaurants in New York. They know what you're doing. They know where you just came from and where you're about to go. Yeah, and like – before curtain, True. which is like a half hour before the show or something like that, yeah. restaurants know to get the bill out. Yeah. To get the bill out. They know what you're doing here. Exactly. It's it's great. Especially in Midtown, like in the theater district, there's so many diners and the restaurants like the Playwrights Tavern, the Playwrights Tavern, right. that literally cater to the theater community. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's like the theater scene and the di- Midtown diner scene work hand in hand. True community. Truly. In a city of 8 million, there still is those like little things where everyone knows what everyone needs. Yes. And that's why diners specifically in New York are so so integral. They're thoroughfares. Yes. They're quick stop-off points in between events. Yep. And the more you go, the more you kind of get to have those nods with certain waiters and yes. waitresses and hosts that you know. Yes. And like everything else, it's all towards trying to become a family. It is, <laughs> you truly. Know? Just a little sense of uh, you know consistency within yep. the people you see. And yep. even if it's just for your morning coffee and muffin. I mean, like after you retire in the city or you have more time on your hands – Sometimes you just need to kill an hour and a half and read the paper. Diner becomes and, your family. And the diners are welcoming of you. Okay. Bring your paper, a coffee and a muffin. It's beautiful. It's the, the original coffee shop. Right. It's like that's what it literally is. It's Yeah, except you don't go there. At least I would say that the diner still is classic enough and like frozen in time enough where you don't go there to write your screenplay. No. You know? You go there to have a Reuben and literally read the paper. The paper. Screenless. The right I, – I think that all diners – and in 2020 when I run for president, yes. I might run on this platform. All diners, uh, no Wi-Fi. Yeah. There is no Wi-Fi Don't in bring diners. your screen up in here. This, yeah. is, this is a device-free zone. Right. Crack open a 20th century form of entertainment. Yes. Whether that's a magazine, the TV playing news you don't want to watch. We're in trapped in time here at the diner. So, so your should media, you be? Your media might as well be too. That's really – that's a great point. Uh, we're back at the No Joke Diner, Adam. It is now dinner. Oh. We're going to ask that you order your dinner and dessert at the same time. Okay, great. Um, so you've had a pretty big meal so far. You've had two different egg dishes. I had, had a tuna melt. at the beginning, yep. Mm-hmm. And I had a tuna melt and a patty melt. Right. Both. Yes. You um, have not stood up once, so I, I know that you haven't gone to the bathroom. Okay, so – We've my... sprayed you multiple times with oranges in the face. Hasn't deterred me. I'm still here. In no way. So nope. we assume that you're here now for dinner and dessert. <laughs> I certainly am. Thank Are you. Are you hungry? 
uh, always. Okay. Because the sounds of the diner uh, have made me hungry, kind of stimulated my appetite. We have not turned on the radio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so it's only the clang clang of the fork, knife, and plate that makes me hungry. So of course I'm hungry. Thank you for asking. Sure. Uh, how was your um, chicken pot pie? Good. Good, Adam. <laughs> How yeah. is your chicken? How is your chicken pot pie? Yes, th- <laughs> that is literally. There's few foods where you get to unwrap a gift. Yeah. You know, where you get to eat the wrapping and it's all there. Yeah. The chicken pot pie is divine. Oh, it's a stew and it's a cake. I'm in heaven. Let me tell you why our chicken pot pie is good. Please, because when you break the top of the chicken pot pie, yes. you don't reveal an empty pool. You re- you reveal a full pool. Full of chicken. The worst chicken pot pies are just wrapping, where it's just – it's the crust, and we closed it, and you open it, and it's a helium balloon. And you have to seep through the muddy water to find the chicken. If there's even water in there. Sometimes it's just like 80 crust and 20 pot pie. I'm going to need 90 pot pie and the rest crust. I'm fully with you there, and that's why I love the No Joke Diner. Yes. Because you get the chicken pot pie proportion right. 90% meat, 10% flaky delicious crust. And it's not like a little personal pan pizza. Nope. This is going full full dinner plate. Yep. The ripe uh, chicken pot pie, you can't finish. I want to be able to take it home. You cannot finish. Yes. So that's great. We do do serve that. So that would be my first choice. I would also be interested in the shepherd's pie. I'm a big flaky crust meat pie guy. Shepherd's pie. Tell the listeners at home. I'm Irish, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What is shepherd's pie? Yeah, shepherd's pie to me is another baked and flaky crust meat pie that's beef. It's beef and vegetables, potato. Well, it's beef and on the bottom. Yes, on the bottom. It's basically a. It's not so far off from a uh, chicken pot pie. Yes, but it's beef and it's vegetables and it's very brothy and very Irish and very dark and heavy. Yes, and then the top. Is mashed potatoes. Delicious, crazy mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes that you make in the pot and then you bake over in, so you make it a whole cohesive. I mean, it's like too delicious to even describe. Almost. Yes. So I am – I mean that is almost my go-to diner dinner. What you just nailed to me is um, <laughs> that diners – dinners are always winter dinners. Yes. There's nothing – Comfort there's, food. There's no light fare. At a diner, food. diner. Nope. It's not. It's not necessarily healthy. No, it's not. You're not getting to, the halibut. It's not showcasing the avocado. No, <laughs> it's all winter survival food. You're here because you're cold. Yes, eat up. That's what you get at a diner. Seriously. There's nothing fancy or beautiful about it. That's sort of like the shelter element to it. It's like we know what you need. Your body needs protein and meat. Right. Take it. Oh God. To bless. go back out into the cold. God bless diners. <laughs> yeah. What will be your? What's your go-to diner dinner? Choice? My go-to diner dinner. Yeah. Well, have I been there for breakfast and lunch as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say, well, okay. If that's the case, then, man, shepherd's pie. I might just join you in shepherd's, a shepherd's pie. There's just something. There's enough to go around. That that That's home for me. It's home. Yeah, that's a good homey, homey dish. It's really home. Is that what you were getting at the Long Island diners for dinner? Well, that always varied. I wouldn't go there so much for dinner. For dinner, right. I would yeah. go there more for breakfast, like pre or post soccer. Yes. With my folks. That's nice. And then I would go to the Golden – I'd go to the pantry for that and then the Golden Reef for after partying at like midnight. Yes. And then, then we would get uh, fries with gravy, cheese fries with oh, gravy. Oh, stop. Yeah. That's really nice. And you just nice. dip it in gravy. That's super good. Corvetti, my best friend. Yes. Who is lactose intolerant. Yes. Uh, used to get something called the triple play. What is that? So he invented it. He uh, he can't eat cheese or dairy. Okay. But he does. Okay. And he would get the triple play at midnight. Self-saboteur? Yeah. <laughs> we had drank 12 beers and run around and chase each other for 10 hours. And <laughs> like now we're maniacs and Great. it's midnight. And he'd walk in and he would get a bacon, egg, and cheese uh, to start his meal. Lactose intolerant. Yes. Then he'd get a cheeseburger deluxe. Steve. And then that came with fries, obviously. <laughs> But that wasn't enough, so then he would get uh, cheese fries with gravy Wait, for dessert. In, in one sitting? The trip, uh, Yeah, the triple play. Bacon, egg, and cheese? To start. 
a cheeseburger deluxe, which with is fries with fries and everything for and a second then course. To finish, uh, cheese fries with gravy. Cheese fries with gravy, and he would eat it all. And then he would he would eat it all. Make no mistake, it was gone. I'd go to his house, so that'd be midnight. We'd both go to sleep. Oh, Steve. It'd be like 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd wake up. I'm ready to play again. And I would ride my bike over to Steve's house. He'd still be sleeping. And I'd woke, like open up his bedroom door. Farts. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Just the room is fart. It is one big fart. <laughs> and he was willing to trade that one big yeah, fart yeah. for the meal of a lifetime the night before. The temporary earthly pleasures of the cheese in that moment. It's the give and take of the diner. That's the power of the diner. God bless the diner. God bless. So you were going there, obviously, mainly for breakfast. I had a diner that my... My, my sort of routine diner experience was also with family post-taekwondo. Okay. And we would go to the diner that was called the Western Diner that was sure. like not far from my house. I had – and this is how like weird childhood memories work. I had one weird experience there where I had like – I got like a pasta dish. Oh. I'm like nine. I got like a, a, like a fettuccine Alfredo. Uh-huh. Yep. Which is risky at a diner. Yeah. It was weird. It's not what you order at a diner, but I get it. Exactly. So I got it. Didn't realize it wasn't really what you ordered. Right. You get, I got it. It was gross. And it was like, I didn't really like it. It was like, obviously creamy and weird and I'm nine and I don't like it. It's really. not a short order cook's job to make order. you an Alfredo sauce. It's like, that's not the time or place for it at the Western Diner in Voorheesville. Right. It's like to get fettuccine Alfredo. So as a result, I just like that, you know, how that memory just like, just like coalesced and just like froze in my mind. Sure. And I'm like, didn't want to go to that diner anymore. Done. You just have these associations with places totally. like that. One bad experience can sour the diner. Which is why it's great that you're here at the No Joke Diner right now. Where you always get it right. But I've got news for you. We have to turn the open sign to closed. No. The diner is closed. I guess I'll settle up. The episode is over. The episode's One more squeeze of orange. <laughs> right in to your the eyeballs. <laughs> uh, we didn't know what this episode was going to sound like, Adam, but you got like six meals out of it. Yeah, exactly. Not bad. I'm full. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, good episode. Good. Great one. That was the diner episode. Yes, sir. For the No Joke Podcast, I'm Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And we will, as always, talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>